Have you ever dated someone who, in the early days, made you feel like the most perfect person in the world? Or been with someone who wanted to spend every day, every minute, every hour with you and just showered you with endless compliments and attention, only for it to suddenly just end without any notice? Just poof, done, they're gone, or no more attention. Only for you to desperately try to relive those early days of when you were feeling butterflies and giddy and you felt so special by this person, you may have been a victim to love bombing. Hey guys, and welcome to chapter eight. This episode is about love bombing. Uh, thank you to my one of my really good friends who recommended this week's topic. This is a topic that I've become very aware of and um, very concerned about since only recently because it happened to me. But first we'll go into the explanation of what love bombing is. Uh, most people might be familiar with the feeling or being in this situation, but not know the technical term. So what is love bombing? So love bombing usually happens in the early stages of dating, relationships. Uh, it's a form of manipulation mostly used by narcissistic people or with narcissistic 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 traits um so the purpose of it through showering you with a lot of attention affection compliments uh, they may put you on the highest pedestal based on the positive attributes you may have they may highly exaggerate you and your you know what they learn about you in the early days and they'll emphasize that you are their soulmate or you like there's a perfect one and that's them or you're it for them and there's only one person out there for you uh they may shower you with gifts and start mirroring you so if you say i like surfing they'll be like yeah say me too we have so much in common they may even bring up things like marriage and bigger things things of bigger value in relationship senses earlier on within the first week month Pretty much in the stage where you feel it's too early to establish that long, long-term feeling of love already, especially when you're still getting to know them. And there may be a moment where you stop for a second and think, are we moving too fast? Uh, is this too good to be true? And when you least expect it, that's when you hit with the devaluing phase. That's when they start to manipulate you, insult you, attack you. They'll separate you from your friends and family. They'll take you away from your personal life and make it all about them. All your attention is now on them. Not to confuse this with a non-narcissist that showers you with love and affection earlier on. You still have your life. You still have your space from them. And they give you the time. And if you set boundaries, they give you the respect uh, to slowly get to know you and build on these feelings. So then you know that these feelings are genuine, they appreciate and love you for you rather than just claiming love over this ideal of what they think you are or what they claim you to be. So, how do you spot the signs for a narcissistic love bomber? First up, as soon as you feel uncomfortable with the amount of affection, attention, compliments and everything, because it's very overwhelming, uh, especially early on, and funny enough, I mentioned this to my friend, we had a quick discussion about it. And in the cases where a person shows you a lot of feelings and <laughs> likes towards you, 
if you like them, you know, it's it's cute, it's endearing, it becomes love bombing. But if you don't like them, it becomes ick, which we'll go into another episode. But that's the, that's what I thought was a bit interesting between if you reciprocate and like this person back. So first off, if you like the person and you do want to genuinely get to know them and you feel a bit overwhelmed with the amount of affection they may be giving you, you got to set boundaries. And a sign to spot if this is a narcissistic love bomber, this is a freaking nightmare for my lisp, a narcissistic love bomber is they won't respect uh, your boundaries. They would retaliate. They would turn around and say something like you don't want to spend time with them or you don't like them enough in return or you don't appreciate them. So that's them clearly not respecting your boundaries or respecting you. Another thing is being able to differentiate between genuine empathy or being very, very polite. So how do you figure this out? You need to sort out, or not sort out, but you have to find out their morals, which is something you will build over time. Once you meet them, get to know them in certain scenarios, if your friend or their friends go through them, go through something traumatic and how they respond to it. So you need to realize if they say something just because they have to for the sake of it, or if they genuinely have concern and care and feelings towards someone else's grief or sadness or unfortunate circumstances. Another sign is they will try to have you all for themselves. Sounds nice, right? Someone who wants to see you every single day. You know what's actually nicer? Someone who respects your personal time and your time with your friends and family. So to avoid getting in situations or I guess differentiating whether someone is love for me or not, you need to ask yourself a few questions. I wish I had these questions for myself, honestly, but there's a few questions you need to ask yourself. So have you spent any time with your friends or family? or your alone time if you're more that kind of person do they respect boundaries when you put them in place or do they turn it around back on you and say you're the problem or it's your fault this or your fault that or you're not enough this or you don't this do you put your ego aside for a second take a step back and look at the situation and think do they really know enough about me to be so in love with me or so infatuated with me Or is it just an ideal or an idea of me that they like? Another question is, do you feel like you're walking on eggshells once you're past the honeymoon stage? Have they ever devalued you, made you feel dumb, stupid, sex or slut shamed you at some point, made fun of you in the way you talk, dress, act, speak, like it was something you should be embarrassed or ashamed of? And then the biggest question that I I wish I asked myself sooner when it happened to me is, are you happy? Is the way they're treating you honestly making you feel happy and loved and appreciated right now? Or are you constantly second guessing yourself and you feel unworthy even though probably two, three, four weeks ago, you felt like the most beautiful thing in the world or beautiful person in the world, sorry. Is this person who you want to spend the rest of your life with? The way you feel right now, is this how you want to feel for the rest of your life? 
with this potential forever partner who they claim to be? And does this forever partner follow through with what they say and promise you? If they say they'll do something, do they follow through? Or at this point, are they just saying a lot and accusing a lot and it's just all words and nothing more than that? So before I go into my experiences with the, what am I talking about again? Love bombing. So the only reason why I found out about love bombing when I did is because of one of my favorite YouTubers slash sexologists. She's originally from Canada. Uh, I think she's back in Canada now, but she started off her sexology career and YouTubing of it uh, in LA. And I've been following her for probably about five, six, maybe seven years now. Uh, her name's Shan Boudrum and she goes by Shan Booty on YouTube and Instagram. So if you want to check her out, she's really good and I love her to death. I'm her, like, I fangirl over her. So on her YouTube channel, if you Google Shan Boudrum, Shan Booty, love bombing, uh, in her video, she breaks down love bombing in the most perfect analogy. So she compares it to gambling. And the reason why gambling is so addictive is because there's a reward at the end of every move or play. So like when you're on a winning streak and you're constantly winning from each play, that feeling becomes addictive because that's a really good feeling when you're getting money in. So same with love bombing, when you put effort into a person and then they're giving you lots of affection and attention back, you're in this love heart, you're in this feeling like, I'm the most perfect person, this person really loves me and they care about me and this is my perfect soulmate and this is my perfect person. But then once the game, the gambling game becomes inconsistent and you get inconsistent outcomes, so like you win some, you lose some, you lose some, you win some, then that's when the urge to continue to play, to get the winning streak again comes into play. Same thing with love bombing. That was really gassy. You keep coming back so you have that same feeling that you had in the early stages when you felt so appreciated and understood and loved and you want that warm fuzzy feeling again. It becomes addictive because you it's an outcome you know that is possible because you've had it before. So you play the game, you continue playing in order to get back to where you started off because you know it's achievable. Sorry, that's my dog in the background, just huffing and puffing around on the couch. So I'm going to tell you my experience with love bombing, just because it's probably the best way to explain, uh, give examples, and also what I would change about it. So then also what signs there were, how to look out for the next time, and what I learned from the situation pretty much. Hopefully you've listened to episode two which is about red flags. So with Mr. Red Flags, uh, in the beginning, it was very nice. It was very affectionate. There was lots of, not lots of PDA, but there was PDA. We were kissing a lot. He told me I was pretty, that he was so lucky to have met me and that he told all his friends about me and his friends thought so highly of me and said this about me. And he even told his barber about me that, you know, he's dating this girl who does this and is that and blah, 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 blah. And is so pretty and so this and showed everyone my squat videos because that was my biggest flex back then that I could squat 200 kilos. 
there was lots of mirroring. I had mentioned to him that I really liked old music, so I'm not just talking about 90s music, but 80s and 70s and maybe a touch of 60s. Uh, we had, or we supposedly had the same sense of humour, which was tacky, lame puns and dad jokes. And we had powerlifting in common. So we had so much in common and we were destined to be. Plus, we were both really short. That wasn't what he said, but I just made that up in my head at the time because that's what you do and you feel really fluttery and happy. You know, I thought we looked cute together. So moving on, I guess once our dynamic had expired by his terms and he knew I was invested. And how did he know he, I was invested? Because that was the moment I came back to him and said, how about, you know, we somehow take this to the next level? Um, and that was by my terms. I was the one asking this time, not him pushing it onto me. That's when he knew that I was somewhat invested into him and I liked him. And that's when he pulled the plug. He took a step back and said, pretty much, I don't know if I want this as a relationship or if I only see you as a friend. So after two weeks of telling me that he liked me and all these great things that every girl, every guy would like to hear from their partner, it took him one day, one night probably, just to stop and say, no, I take that all back, you might be friend material. And my naive ass back then didn't know any better and I thought, no, I like this guy and he has liked me at some point, I need to get that back. So I gave him the space that he needed in order to, I guess, have a think of it. I told him where I stood and said, I want in on this, I'll give you space if you need it. And that was the week we took one week off and I was busy at work anyway and that following week we came back together and had a chat again and it was like nothing had happened. He spoke as if like that chat never happened and we were on again. Which somewhat messed with my head at the time because I thought, is it in my head? Was I the one imagining things? Did I overreact about something? Did I take something he said wrong and then just gave him a, a week of silence um, for no reason? So I thought I was a bit crazy at this point or just at least going a bit crazy and that it was just all in my head. Had I known at this point what he was doing, or I guess how mani manipulative manipulative his actions were at this point, I would have been straight out. And even if one of my friends had said to me, you know, his actions are quite manipulative, that would have also helped a lot because as much as I don't want to hear it because it's someone that I like, or am involved with, you need your friends to back you up. And if you're a friend and you see your friends in a manipulative relationship or situation or dynamic, it is also on you to let your friends know because coming back to it, they don't want to hear it, but they will need to hear it because it needs to click in their head at some point. And if you don't call out bad relationships to your friends, are you a good friend? Are you a good friend if you don't call out on bad things happening to your friends. So in the time where I was being devalued, the de devaluing phase, uh, he would, there was one particular jumper that I liked to wear. It was a very 
bluish gray baggy jumper a bit of a box jumper that I love to wear not because it looked the greatest but because it was super comfortable and I was happy wearing a box jumper and making me look bigger and he had mentioned to me that he hated this jumper that this jumper was very unflattering on me to which I replied but it's comfortable and he asked me not to wear it anymore so I kind of tried to negotiate and say can I at least wear it at home and he said no don't wear it around me at all so what did I do I stopped wearing that jumper because I didn't know any better I was silly I was trying to keep the guy that I thought liked me and I kind of liked back uh he also decided to tell me afterwards that he thought that my choice of clothing on our first date um he said to me that he had a thought where he said why would she wear something like that which I thought was a bit odd um there was a few warning signs where I kind of was like who the fuck says that um but I didn't think it of malicious or manipulative or anything to hurt me I guess Every time we went out, he would complain about the time it took me to get ready because it didn't take me 10 minutes to get ready in the morning because I, I was putting on my makeup or I would roll around in bed first before getting out of bed because I like to roll around in bed and sleep in on my days off. So sue me. He also started giving me negs. So he like a neg negligent, huh, a negative compliment. So he would say things like, you would look so much better if you wore this or because of your figure it looked really nice if you wore this so he was slowly trying to adapt me to his ideal and dress me I guess to how he wanted me to dress at the time because most of my friends were with a love interest or busy with their own things I didn't notice it as much but he took up most of my time every weekend he would sleep in my house on the weekdays, because I also worked with my friends, I'd go out with them after work. But on some of the days, he would say, can I come over? I'll come over. I'll meet you at the gym. So he was slowly occupying all of my free time without me consciously realizing that he was taking all my time up and taking it away from everyone else in my life. To the point where he had said at one point, I think I mentioned it in episode two, where I hung up with my friends and it had invited him as well and he had said he declined he didn't want to go so he declined I spent that night with my friends and the next day he told me he had a wank when he knew he was sleeping by my place which I hoped would result in sex but he said that he had a wank instead and when I asked him why he said well you would have gotten some if you had spent the night with me last night and didn't really think that was a red flag until I mentioned it to my sister and she had pointed out that was a huge manipulation move right there. But also by the time I told her about this, we were done. He also tried to withhold me from all of my male friends and asked that I didn't speak to any of them. So I had a friend at the time who was messaging quite regularly. He was one of my Tinder dates previously who we both ended up just being very, um, very good friends because zero chemistry, but we actually had really good banter. Really appreciate him. Love this guy. So the red flags guy went as far as to ask me, can you not message this guy? 
because I don't message any of my female friends. And he asked me, like, kind of like an ultimatum, if we got married, would you invite this guy to our wedding? Me being the stubborn ass that I am, I didn't hesitate and I said, yes, I would. So I had very strong morals and strong beliefs in the way that I am because I spent so much time myself. But there were some little cracks where he was able to get through and kind of get to me. We didn't date for very long. It was just two months, longest two months of my life and painful two months of my life. But because I had spent so much time myself, I knew exactly what I wanted. And his shenanigans, I guess, didn't really get to last long with me. So despite all the talk about our future, having potential kids, getting married and all of that stuff, he refused to give me anything more than the dating phase because I had asked a few times if uh if we were at least exclusive so I knew if it was a good time to delete the apps or if I should still be looking or if he's still looking or pretty much where we stand with each other to the stupid conversation that we had that went in circles and it went along the lines of are you seeing anyone no are you seeing anyone no are we exclusive no do you want to see anyone? No. And it was just a really stupid, confusing conversation, which kind of left me in that circle again, where I was just maybe expecting too much at the time, which was kind of fair enough. It was early days, but also when two adults say that they only want to see each other, should it not be called at least exclusive? That just makes sense in my head at least. And that's where I mean the, the play of where it's all talk and no follow through comes into play because there was a lot of talk about the future marriage kids or potential kids sorry but then there was no follow-through to show commitment even though he wanted commitment but then he didn't give me commitment and he made sure to emphasize that we are not exclusive we are just two people seeing each other so moving on from that situation where we're not exclusive one of my girlfriends had asked me if I want to go speed dating with her because Previously, we had gone together and we were good moral support for each other. And if we didn't like any of you guys, we just pretty much had a date with each other, which was fun. So my girlfriend asked me to go on speed dating thing with her. And I said to her, oh, look, I feel like I should run a by dude, red flags, dude, just because I don't have to. I know that I don't have to, but I would appreciate it if there was clear communication And that's just me. I know a lot of people would just roll their eyes and say, you don't owe them anything, but this is just me. I like clear communication. So I had asked him, hey, are you okay if I go on this speed dating thing with my friend? Uh, She wants me as moral support. I'm just there mostly for her. And he gave me a very cold answer and said, go then. And I said, yes, okay, but you didn't answer my question. Are you cool with it? To then it became this huge argument where he turned around and called me stupid because I didn't see or realize that he liked me and he was invested in me. And then I was only interested in going out with other people and dating other people and that we were over. So me being insecure at the time, um, it's 100% insecure. I broke down, started crying. He was calling me an idiot on the phone and pretty much yelling at me on the phone and I was just crying because I thought I am an idiot 
how can I think about going on a speed dating thing and potentially meeting someone else when I have such a great guy that likes me in front of me or at least in front of me on the phone so that was probably the tipping point for us where I was so confused I didn't know where I stood I knew that he didn't want me to talk to anyone else or be with anyone else but then he also didn't want to claim me himself as a partner or as his woman and as time progressed with us even though he showed me no signs of pursuing things between us uh, I kind of just went along with it because I was stuck in a rut at work I was stuck in a rut with him I was in two different ruts and distracting myself with both of them for each other if that makes sense so there were both distractions for me and also simultaneously I was trying to get over the the love of my life I guess or at least what I thought was getting over it so at this point I was feeling very low very uh, upset very down with everything really and I thought I could mask it with the potential happiness that I originally felt with this guy so that's where you know you gotta keep your friends in check and keep yourself in check because sometimes you're a bit blinded when you have love on the mind and you have love goggles on and also as time went by as I was getting to know him I guess bringing up the thing with seeing if they have true empathy or if they're just a very polite person this guy was a very polite person so he was very pleasant he had a lot of uh, peers and acquaintances that we bumped into that he would talk to and he, he was a very well-spoken guy much more well-spoken than me so he socialized quite well but then behind their packs not their packs their backs he would say to me you know such and such that he doesn't believe in this person or he thinks this person is such and such or this person says this or does this which he thinks is garbage or that he doesn't condone he I also have a friend who's gay that I'm quite close to which he said to me at some stage of us dating I have my opinions on gay people but I won't say it because I know this person is your friend and he's gay so to me that was a bit of a weird comment to make and I didn't know what to make of it but I thought it was me being very naive and delusional thought maybe I can change his mind because my friends aren't bad you will see in time etc etc and also not to mention the whole the whole thing with him having low self-esteem and then telling me that and then suddenly after me accommodating for his low self-esteem and insecurities he just suddenly is just walking around naked and he has no he has all the confidence in the world no more insecurities that like that was just that just blew my mind and I just was in this phase where I was just thinking in my head am I crazy did I mishear things did I dream that conversation am I am I present right now and looking back and thinking about this guy I actually don't know if he is a conscious uh manipulator narcissist manipulator or if he was a non-conscious one I kind of feel like he's a conscious one but you'd rather not think that badly of people 
or at least try to believe that these people don't really exist because that's really sad. So hopefully if you listen to chapter two, you know how this dynamic between me and this red flags guy ends. Um, looking back on the whole situation and looking now three years back on that situation, had I known about love bombing back then and narcissistic behavior, I would not even have lasted two months with him, would not even have lasted maybe a week or two with him because that, even though it bettered me in a way so that I was more aware and I guess I'm more knowledgeable and know how to pick at the signs, it was not a good experience. He really brought me down to a whole new low and he made sure that I felt low about myself and he made me feel, I think after we quote unquote broke up, I felt really low, not because I felt like I had lost him because he was not a loss, um, but more because of how disappointing that whole outcome was. There was so much potential for it to be a good sort of relationship, not relationship, but a relation in a way. And it ended up being so toxic and hurting me in the most malicious way, which I never thought that anyone would would do that to me. You don't think it would happen to you until it happens. And it's upsetting to think that there are people out there who want to hurt you emotionally, which is probably more damaging than physical to me, at least. And I only say that because once it gets, it gets physical, sorry, it's a lot more obvious that this person's hurting you than um, mentally doing it to you and emotionally doing it to you. When it's an abusive relationship where it's mental and physical, that's a different sort of story. But when you have a physical abuser and a emotional mental abuser, physical is a lot more easier to, to pinpoint. You know, if someone slaps you, hits you, you're out. That's it. Which is what happened to me. He hit me, he hurt me physically, sorry, and I was out. Whereas the mental manipulation, I only realized afterwards which that scar I carry to this day now because there's just so much shame in it and there's so much disappointment. And this is when I learned the line to never date potential. And that's what I was holding on to with the whole time I was dating him was the potential for this to be a good relationship. Once you start hoping that it's going to get better in that sense, you're at a loss. You're, you're putting in more than you should, because if you're hoping that this person will change, they won't. And when you listen to Shan Boudrin's, uh, podcast, not podcast, sorry, YouTube episode on love bombing or the Dennis method, she says that there is, there are some relationships and some dynamics that do work for a, a manipulator, a manipulative, uh, love bomber, because there's another half of it that is okay with the inconsistency of receiving and giving love. Because at the end of the day, I don't believe someone who is a conscious uh, narcissistic manipulator will change their ways. Instead, they will just find the right fit for them and continue to carry on in this long-term dynamic because it is compatible and suits them, I guess. But for majority of people who need the constant or more regular validation, affection and communication, 
um, or fair communication, sorry, that the, the whole dynamic with narcissists doesn't work. So that was pretty much my experience with um, love bombing in a nutshell. The whole time dating the red flag guy only lasted two months. So it's not really a long time when you think about it. Especially when one week we spent not talking. And then another week I spent on holiday in Fiji. But, oh, (laughs) that reminds me. There was a line that he said to me while I was in Fiji. We were messaging and talking on the phone. And... There was one line he said was, I know this sounds selfish, but I wish you were he all to myself. Which I thought was endearing, which sounded cute and nice because doesn't sound so bad when someone wants to spend time with you. But um, yeah, just another line, like instead of I miss you, um, can't wait to spend time with you when you get back or see you next time. It was, I want you all to myself. So, food for thought, um, if you've been love-bombed, um, I hope you take this on board and realise what the dynamic was and it wasn't your fault and you aren't crazy at, or if you know anyone who's in this dynamic, I plead you to, even if you sound like the bad guy, to at least warn them. I know no one wants to be the bearer of bad news, but... A bit of warning will go a long way because don't let people be in relationships with love bombers because that's absolute worse. And if you are guilty, have love bombed before or you have tendencies to do this, please don't. Like, <laughs> please do better. It's not nice. Or at least um, seek help. Maybe it's some underlying childhood issues where you didn't receive love in a certain way or you didn't receive enough love from a certain parent that you need to unpack um just do better don't hurt people it's not nice um yeah so that was chapter eight uh love bombing and thank you again to my friend who recommended this topic this is something that has been on my mind only as of the last three years um, that I, since I learned about it and experienced it. And I feel like it's something that needs to be more aware. Um, or people should be more aware. Sorry, not the topic. She should be more aware. Uh, yeah, cute. Um, thank you for listening, guys. And I'll see you next time. Bye.